What's up, Buffalo Fanatics? Josh Allen here. Just wanted to say uh, go Bills. Good evening, and welcome into another edition of the BF Writers Club right here on Buffalo Fanatics. This is your host, Kevin Syracuse, and we have a special show planned for you tonight because we have a special guest, DJ Payne, the Hilton Head High School football coach. And you might be wondering, why is a Hilton Head High School football coach coming on the BF Writers Club tonight? Well, BJ coached Puna Ford back in the day. So we are so lucky and happy to have BJ coming on with us in a few minutes to talk about. And per usual, we'll have Zach and Bryce coming on, and they will give their thoughts on the Puna Ford signing. We'll recap our interview here with BJ, and we want to hear from you guys as well and see what you have to think. So with that, let's start it right there as we are live here on Buffalo Fanatics. Happy to have you in with us tonight as it was another great day for sports. How about the Micah Hyde charity softball event? How about Josh Allen going deep again? I think it was AJ Klein. He did it last year. He does it again this year. You have Greg Mann sliding around like a slip and slide. You had Spencer Brown taking home the trophy this year. So a great day for that. My Yankees blew a six-run lead, so it was not great of a day for them. And then we had a great game between Boston and Philadelphia. Marcus Smart was just two-tenths of a second short of winning the game for the Celtics and giving them a three-to-one series lead. But Philly prevails, ties it up at two. A lot of great NHL games going on. I believe, let's see, New Jersey beat the Hurricanes 8-4 to today. Last I checked, Toronto and Florida are tied at 2 going into the third. And then we have Dallas and Seattle coming on later tonight at 9.30. Don't want you to watch that, though, because we want you to watch us here on Buffalo Fanatics. So with that, let's talk about Puna Ford because I love this signing. If you guys have been following along with our coverage here, especially mine, I was very critical of the Bills for not getting a defensive lineman during the draft, specifically a defensive tackle. And as soon as I saw that signing on Tuesday, I was like, okay, that was a weight lifted off my shoulder. I was like, thank you, Brandon Bean, because we've been talking about it right along that the Bills do not have a defensive tackle under contract past the 2023 season. And I know this is just a one-year deal for Puna Ford, but I think this helps the present and the future because Puna Ford comes in here and immediately helps this year, but he becomes an extension candidate where you say, wow, this guy was still available. He took that discount to come win a ring with Buffalo. Let's see how he does with Sean McDermott's defense here, and we might be able to get him an extension as opposed to someone like a Daquan Jones or a Tim Settle. And that's the other beauty of this. He is that depth and competition where he's going to push someone like a Tim Settle or a Jordan Phillips, who both of those guys did not have the best seasons last year. And you get a guy like Puna Ford in here, and that just immediately makes everything better. He pushes them to be the best versions of themselves. And to me, he slides in as that second one tech behind Daquan Jones. And I think BJ is going to tell us tonight that that might not be the only reason why he's here. He might be climbing the depth chart here because we have a talented, talented guy on the roster here. And as I'm seeing John say in the comments here, a couple of undrafted guys too, DJ Dale from Alabama. So that also made me feel better when you look at the undrafted free agents. So 
I'm liking what the Bills are doing here with their defensive line more tonight than I was last week at this time. Now, the other reason why I like this so much before we get BJ on here is I think this kind of justifies the selection of Dorian Williams because at the time we thought it was another undersized linebacker, just 228 pounds. And you say, man, what are we doing here? You just took Terrell Bernard with the third round pick last year. But you get a big guy like Puna Ford, who is 5'11", 310, 315 pounds, and he is that big space eater to clog up the middle. And here is the thing that I've been trying to stress when I was so high on a guy like Siaka Ika at pick 91 for the Bills, and they ultimately passed on him for the aforementioned Dorian Williams. Now you get that big body in the middle to take on those extra blockers like a Puna Ford to let these smaller linebackers work out in space and attack the ball carrier and whoever else has the ball, whether it's a passing situation, running situation, for this case, probably a running situation, what we're talking about here. But now you get someone like Dorian Williams and you say, okay, now I understand why the Bills went with a smaller, more athletic linebacker because you have those big bodies up front now to let him do his work. So I think this is a very, very good signing for Brandon Bean and the Buffalo Bills. What's up, Stevie? Glad to have you on tonight. And with that, as we are just six minutes into the show here, BJ, when you're ready, give me a thumbs up and we will get BJ Payne on here. He is ready to go. So very happy to have BJ joining us tonight. And BJ, how are you doing from the warm and sunny Hilton Head? I'm doing pretty well. Uh, being a Midwest guy myself, uh, down here for 12 years now. Um, yeah, it's it's warm and sunny. I think it was about 78 and breezy today. So, so doing pretty well. All right. Glad to hear that. I, I must say, after a very cold and rainy last few days here, I'm in Fredonia, but I know it's been like that in Western New York. The next eight days on the forecast, not a drop of rain in sight. So I was very happy when I saw that on my phone a little bit ago because we're looking at upper 60s, lower 70s, creeping back up into the 80s. So glad that the weather is finally turning because you guys probably don't have that bad of weather down in Hilton Head, right? That's a vacation destination. Yeah, not too bad. I think um, maybe four years ago it snowed uh, just, really? you know, a couple of inches. Everybody thought it was like four or five. But, you know, the thing about when it, whenever we get snow or ice down here is there's no plow trucks, there's no salt. So um, it tends to cause quite a quite a bit of an issue down here and nobody knows how to drive on it. So, um, so yeah, but for the most part, it's pretty nice. I mean, there's been times when I've been hanging up Christmas lights uh, in, you know, shorts and flip-flops. So, um, it's much better than uh, what you guys deal with and in the Midwest. So is it one of those things where you get a couple snowflakes and everything just shuts down because no one knows how to react? Oh, without a doubt. And I had to get used to, <clears throat> my wife and I still talk about it. We have to get used to, you know, there's two things that I had to learn about when I moved down here. One was hurricanes and one was alligators. And, uh, you know, the hurricane thing. And, you know, I think there's been five or six times in our 12 years we've had to be evacuated during that time. Um but as I always tell people, and you know this too, is, you know, if you guys get those blizzards, get the big snowstorms, ice storms, when you lose power, you, you, you can't go outside because it's warm. Here, at least with hurricanes, if something happens, you lose power, at least when you wake up, it's 70 degrees. So um, there's, a, there's a big difference in that weather related. Yeah, I'm sure you saw the blizzard that we had up here around Christmas time, and that was, that was really bad. That was 
dangerously. I mean, we, we lost a lot of lives up in the Buffalo area just because of what you were talking about, just all the factors going into it between the snow and the cold and the no power. So, yeah, it's definitely tough to deal with. Right. But, okay, Hilton Head, I've always wondered. I've never really looked into it until a little bit ago. Hilton Head is in southern South Carolina, right? It's it's as south as you can be. Um, we're basically like 20 miles from Savannah, Georgia. Uh, Savannah so, Bananas. Yeah, so we're, we're as south as you can be in South Carolina. Okay, yeah, because I, I always just thought for some reason – that it was like Southern North Carolina, but I was like, oh, it's Southern South Carolina because I always go to Myrtle Beach, but I've never made it down that far to Hilton Head. Yeah, I have a friend that goes to Hilton Head and I just never realized exactly where it is until I looked on the map and I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, so Myrtle Beach is about three and a half hours away from us north and then like where Outer Banks and, and Nags Head are, that's North North Carolina. So people don't realize a lot of times they just assume it's along the coast, but like us, the nags heads like eight and a half hours. So it's a, mm. it's a pretty big jog. All right. Well, that being said, how about uh, you tell us a little bit about yourself and what led you down to Hilton head? You said you're from the Midwest out in Ohio. So what led you down to Hilton head throughout the years? Um, well, I'm kind of an interesting book um, with, uh, with plenty of chapters. Um, I grew up in Northeast Ohio, went to high school at Maslin uh, High School, Maslin, Washington, uh, big high school. Um, uh, former Buffalo Bill, uh, Chris Spielman is from Maslin, and then played college ball at Mount Union. Um, and then uh, I took a little took a little journey that a lot of people don't uh, take. I saw somebody in the comments uh, made a joke and um, made the joke about I look like Stone Cold. Um but upon graduating from college, I had my degree, and then I signed with the then WWF, uh, WWE, wrestled for four and a half years for them, had a neck injury, and had to retire. So when I retired, I had my teaching um, degree and wanted to coach. It went into being an assistant coach at Canton Glen Oak High School. I was there like when Brian Hartline, the offense coordinator at uh, Ohio State and former Miami Dolphin and Cleveland Brown, was there. And then I became a head coach about an hour north of Columbus at a town, uh, a little village called Lexington, Lexington High School. And then 11 years ago, saw the job open up in uh, Hilton Head. And, you know, it was one of those days where I was just looking out my window and it was 34 gray and rainy with about six inches of slush on the ground and decided to make the uh, to make the switch to look to the south. And uh, you and I talked a little bit earlier Um there's a perception and a perceived notion of what Hilton Head is made up of. Um, but when I came down here and interviewed, um, the principal said, hey, you know, we're, we're a Title I high school. You know, more than 70% of our kids are on free lunch. We're diverse. You know, we're 40% white, 30% uh, black, 30% Hispanic. And uh, if diversity is not for you, please don't waste our time. And um, I stayed around the school and uh, fell in love with it. I uh, got offered actually two jobs in North Carolina, turned them down. I went all in on this job and uh, uh, fell in love with it and uh, took the job. And And Puna at the time was a sophomore Mike linebacker. He was an inside yeah. guy. And I'll never forget the very first day I said, who's that? That's my three tech. And uh, I promised him if he would make the transition for me and, and go down to defensive lineman, he would be an All-American. And he was a high school All-American. And then, you know, the rest is history. You know, before we get into Pune, that's interesting about Hilton Head because, like you said, we were talking about it before, and 
even me, I always just thought it was a place for rich tourists to go have fun and party and soak up some sunshine. But then when you say it like that, it's like, really? So is it kind of like there's two different parts to the town here that maybe a lot of people don't know about? Well, the thing about Hilton Head is, is <clears throat> that makes it unique is, first of all, you said you've never been here, right? Nope. Okay. So it's very different. It's not Myrtle Beach. It's not Daytona. Uh, everything closes here like at 930 at night. Um, really? it's, it's very dark. There's no street lights. Um, that has to do with like sea turtles. That's a whole different story. Um, <laughs> but when you see some of the big homes here, you know, most of those homes are rentals. You know, there's a, a place called Singleton Beach. Um, and there's like a line of like 23 to five, 20 different three to $5 million homes there. All those homes are vacation rentals. Um, there is some older money that moves here late, but you know, all the, all the job makeup on the Island is all tourist related. You know, it's food and beverage, it's hospitality, you know, it's, it's, you know, hotels, it's service industry, uh, that goes on, you know, pretty much minimum wage jobs or jobs that rely on tips. Um, so when you look at the makeup of our high school and our, our, our middle school and our, our three elementary schools, you know, that's what it is. It's people that are, you know, working on the island. It's, it's still expensive to live here. And, you know, they're busting their hump every day to, to find a way to make it work. Um, so it's, it's very different than what the perception is of the island, of the actual true, true makeup of the island. Do you know what the population of Hilton Head is? Supposedly, it's like twenty six to thirty six thousand. As far as how many people truly live here year round, um, I'd say it's less than that. But our high school has around thirteen hundred and fifty kids in it, so it's it's bigger than than many would think. Um, but with our high school, we truly only get the kids on the island. So the kids that are on the island come to high school here. Um, there is one community right across the bridge. Uh, that feeds into us as well. Um, but besides that, it's just on the island. And uh, we don't have open enrollment or anything like that. So, you know, kids can't just make a decision to come here. Or, you know, we're, we got the kids on the island. So I went to high school here in Fredonia, New York, and I believe I graduated with 130. So is that a little bit smaller than what Hilton Head is then? Yeah. So we graduate uh, around uh, 350 to 400. Per year. Oh, okay. So we're we're way smaller then. Right. Yeah. Okay. So it's, it's it's bigger as student student enrollment wise. It's bigger than uh, than most people think. And there's two small private schools here. Uh, one actually on the island, but it's a K through 12 school, and I think it's about only like 300 kids um, that go to school there. All right. Interesting. So. Without further and ado, will, we might as well. And, and I will tell you, just so you know this, a little factoid about Hilton Head. It's the second largest island in the U.S., continental U.S., only behind Long Island. Really? Yep. Long Island's got us, got us barely beat, but Hilton Head's the second largest island uh, in the continental U.S. There. Hmm. The more you know, right? Right. It's like one of those <laughs> NBC uh, after-school special things. We need that little star floating. Sorry, I think I cut a little bit there. But yeah, yeah we I might as well get into <laughs> you got me. Yeah, I got you. Okay, cool. So all right. We might as well get into Puna Ford here. So 
uh, out to right from It cut out again? Yeah, now I got you. Man, I think I told you this before. I, I had this problem fixed again for the second time, and it's still not fixed. So I don't know what's going on. Okay. I apologize. That's all right. But, but, I'm, but I guess not. So, yeah, I was just asking, when exactly did you meet Puna, and what stood out to you as soon as you met him right from the get-go? Um. I met him actually. Uh, I met him uh, when I came down and interviewed for the job. I, I saw him in the hallways, and then obviously when I when I took the job and um, my introduction night, I guess press conference and all that. And uh, you know, the thing that amazed me about him, and we'll, we'll touch base and get into this, was he was a very quiet, uh, mild mannered young man. Um, really didn't say anything. Um, he, he's not much of a talker. Uh, but just seeing his, you know, size, I mean, he was, you know, everybody talks about his height. I know earlier you said he was 5'11", so we can't cheat him. He was actually 5'11 and 5'8 at his pro day. Um, so I know that 5'8 matters to Puna. Um, but, you know, he was 280 pounds and as a um, sophomore and ended up playing, you know, his junior and senior for me, uh, junior and senior years for me at around 290, 295. Um but just his 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 length, his body, his athleticism. Um, he's an incredible athlete. Um, played basketball, played baseball until he went into just football. Um, when he started picking up all of his offers, um, he's ambidextrous. He can throw the ball with both hands. Um, he is a very unique athletic talent that people a lot of thing times just because of how they view him or they see him and think he's, you know, short and squatty. Uh, they don't realize all those things about him. I mean, when he was in high school for me, he legit back squatted uh, 675 pounds his junior year. He ran a 4840 and had a wingspan of, you know, a 6'9", 6'10 guy. Um but it just incredible young man who, you know, originally thought his, his future was going to be in the Marines. Um, that's where he was going. And then I got here and we kind of changed that direction and, and moved him to defensive line. And, and if you actually go back and, and actually Seahawk fans loved this uh, when he was with them, but if you go back and, and you go in and Google him and watch his high school film, he actually played fullback and some tailback for us. Um, and actually was actually really, really good at it. So uh, he was like uh, Jerome Bettis being as big as he was with his feet. Wow. So he's just kind of like that all-around athlete then. He was. I mean, like, you know, when he was in Seattle, like he won like their three-point shooting contest. And uh, like I said, he can throw the ball either hand and throw a spiral 50 yards. Um, was a great baseball player. And um, he, he's an all-around athlete. But everybody just sees him and says, oh, look at him. You know, he's built like a fire hydrant. He's a nose guard they don't realize how, how tremendous of an athlete he actually is. So what years were this? Because he entered the league as an undrafted free agent in 2018, and he went to the University of Texas from 2014 to 2018, correct? Correct. So you said right when you got there, you met him. So was your first year like 2011, 2012? So uh, my first season was the 2012 season. So that was going into So that would have been Puna's junior year. 
Okay. Um, so I got hired in um, right around January of uh, 20, 2012. And then he played for me in uh, 12 and 13 and then went on to Texas to play in 14. Nice. So I have to ask now, we might as well ask this right now. Has that been the best prospect that you've graduated from your team or have there been other guys? Because I think you said that you've coached some other guys that have made it pretty far, correct? Yeah, I think Puna's the the sixth uh, player that I've had to play in the NFL. Um, he doesn't have the he doesn't have the longest career yet. Uh, Brian Hartline, I think, played like nine years. Um, and then you know, I get I get asked that all the time: is who who's the best football player that that I've ever coached? And um, that's a tough question. You know, I had I had Brian Hartline, I had Puno Ford. And then we had a kid uh, who played for me uh, two years ago that was a five-star Under Armour All-American that went to Notre Dame named Jalen Sneed. And I guess in each of their own facets, you know, they're they're very unique and um, dynamic. Um, Brian only played receiver and was a returner. Um, and then Puno obviously played both ways, and, and Jalen played both ways and was our quarterback as well. Um so I, I don't I don't know if he's the 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 best, but if he's if he's not, he's in pretty good company on on who's better than him. But I've always been you know I've always been Puno's biggest fan and always will be, and uh, he he's very unique. Um, love the kid to death, and uh, you know he's he's probably the best I've ever coached. We used to have to literally like hold him out of practices when we would go one on ones. Like you hear the old stories about Dick Buckus, and they'd have to put a cowbell on him and stuff like that. Like we literally could not let Puno Ford practice when we went ones on ones because we just couldn't get a play off. Like he would, he would beat our offensive lineman every single play. Um, so we would have to get his reps in and then get him out and uh, not, not let him play on defense. He was literally that, that unique. But the funny thing was, is everybody too was, you know, in the recruiting spaces, you know, how tall is he? So I would take him to the Under Armour camps and the Nike camps and everybody would be like, that's it. That's him. And then I would just smile and I would just say, just wait till one-on-ones. And then he'd go to one-on-ones and just dominate everything <laughs> and go on. Human wrecking ball, right? Yeah, he was. And he's so strong and, and he's so quick and his length and everything. Um, and in fact, one of the first guys that I talked about with him uh, when I came to the recruiting piece, and I told you this earlier, it's a good friend of mine is Bobby Johnson who was the offensive line coach for the Buffalo Bills for about the last three or four years before last year, and then went to the Giants. And I sent, I had sent uh, Bobby Puna's film his junior year, and I said, hey, this kid's going to be special. I think he's very unique. And we talked about his size. And the first thing Bobby said was, what's his wingspan? What's his arm length? And then when I explained, you know, told him how long he was, he said he's going to be perfectly fine because – you know, when you get shorter guys, you worry about arm length and them being able to lock guys out. And that was never a concern with Puna. And, you know, he was a high four-star kid here, you know, a top 20 defensive tackle in the country in high school. Um, and obviously, when you look back, and I, I actually did it like a year ago, and like I, I think like only one of the 19 guys that were ranked ahead of him are like still in the NFL. Um, so that made me feel like I, you know, I was, you know, what I always knew, which is I was right about how good he was. And he ended up, you know, like 40 offers originally committed to Louisville. And then when Charlie Strong took that job at Texas, it was before signing day. So Puna ended up, you know, reopening his uh, recruitment 
and then um, and then went to uh, went to Texas with Coach Strong. Now we have a super chat coming in from James, but before we get to that, I want to ask you one more question about Hilton Head and the football program here before we get into more of the details. So is this a program that you built up yourself, or have they always been known for football down there? Um, that's I guess that's a good question. So, so they've always been good, but so what what happened um, right before I got here was so if you knew the area, what's called south of the Broad. So there's a Broad River that runs through, and then it, and then there's I ninety five. So all the kids used to come to Hilton Head in the 80s and 70s, and, and it was really good in the 90s. Um, so all the kids from basically about a 25-mile radius all came to Hilton Head. And then they built a new high school. And then they built another new high school. Um, so it drastically changed things uh, right before I got here. Um, I would think that, uh, and what I've been told and what we take pride in, I think the biggest difference has been, you know, getting our guys onto the next level, um, promoting them, how we promote them within our program. You know, it's a true grassroots approach. Um, you know, we do a summer camp tour with our players. Like this year, for example, we're gone June 6th to the 15th to where we're at different college one-day camps for our kids to get recruited. We go to, this year, we go to North Carolina, Duke, NC State, Wake Forest. Then we go up and go to Ohio State, go to Cincinnati, and then go back to Ohio State again. Um, so we get our kids on the map. We get them out. I mean, we've been absolutely everywhere. We haven't been to Syracuse, but we've been to Pitt. We've been to Penn State. We've been to West Virginia. We've been to Notre Dame, Michigan, Toledo, um, USF. Uh, Central Florida, we've been, we've been absolutely everywhere, and our kids tend to, our kids tend to to go outside. Um, like I said, as as much as people love Hilton Head, our kids want to get away from it, and you know, there's just as much, you know, not you know, for a better lack of term, as much bad here as there is good. So our kids tend to to get away, and their recruiting becomes true nationwide. We've had kids go to Boston College, Texas, Purdue. Uh, Toledo, um, Notre Dame, uh, Wake Forest. So very rarely do we have kids who decide to stay in state. That's interesting. So now for the super chat here from James. He says, Kev, can you and coach explain the defensive line text? Because I mentioned at the outset of this how he is that big one tech. And then you said that you envision him as a three tech. So this segues into more about Puna Ford, the player, and what you saw from him in high school and how that translated into college and then the NFL. So I'll let you do this because you'll probably do a better job explaining it than me. What exactly are the definitions of the different tech, the the, the techs on the defensive line? So you want it from what Buffalo is from a 4-3 perspective? Or do you want me to cover Yeah, we might as well start with that, yeah. Okay, so in a 4-3 perspective, you play with two interior defensive linemen. One is generally a one, so he's a shade outside of the center. So he's on the outside shoulder of the center. The three-tech would be on the opposite guard of the nose guard outside his shoulder, almost between the guard and tackle. And then you'll have an end or a stand-up, you know, or two ends um, on each side. So a, a one-tech is usually your nose tackle type, you know, your nose guard, take on the double teams, eat up space, where your three tech ends up being a little bit more active. He's your penetrator. So I, I think in 
the system, what has been there is Ed Oliver's your three tech. Yep. And, I was uh, going to say Daquan Jones has been the one tech has been the one last tech. year. So, and then so typically you, you get more of a, of a, you know, you get more of an athletic, I guess, type guy to play the three tech, somebody who can penetrate, get up the field, cause havoc. And then, you know, your one tech is a guy that's going to eat up space, be a good run stopper and allow your backers to run and keep them clean. Um, now, if you go to a three, four defense, you know, um, you know, you have your zero tech, which is a nose guard. Then you got your ends and then you got your overhangs and the ends play on, on, you know, on top of the tackles. Um, but Puna was a three tech for us. We would play him at nose a little bit when he went to Texas. He actually played both until his senior season. And then he just, they, they transitioned from a four, three to a three, four. So he went to nose and just played a true zero tech nose, uh, straight up on the center. Um, the entire year as senior year. And then uh, when he went to Seattle, um, he pri- primarily, they were a four, three, his first four years there. He was primarily a one tech, but he would play the three a little bit. And then last year they transitioned to the three, four. And for some reason, I don't know, but decided to play him at end. And, he, and he's, he's not a defensive end. Um, so, you know, for all Bills fans, don't, don't take into account, you know, anything of his from last year because he's not a defensive end schematically. It was not a good fit, but you know, he, um, you know, he, he did what was best for the team and helped the team there. Um, but it was not, um, it was not a great fit for him as a defensive end. So when you said that you envisioned him as a three tech back in high school, is that a case of just his build? You said he was about two eighty. Well, he was so Back in high school, he said about 280, right? Yeah, he played. He played between you know 285 and 295, but for it was just how explosive he was, and how you know how you know his ability to penetrate. And then remember, if you if you go a lot of times and you put him as a three tech, you're going to get a lot of one on one single blocks from a guard because the tackle's got to work to the end a lot of times, unless it's a true down block or a pin and pull system. So, but as a nose, you're going to get double teams and, and he could beat those, but we literally would just line him up as a three tech and, and Puna's the only defensive lineman that literally didn't have any responsibilities, football IQ through the roof, but we just let him go make plays because that's what he did. And I, I want to think his junior year, I don't know the exact numbers off the top of my head, but I should, but his junior year, I believe he had 180 tackles and he had like 42 for loss. Um, he set all kinds of records with those numbers. Then he came back a senior year and had like 160 uh, tackles with like 32 for loss. Um, just absolutely ridiculous numbers from a defensive lineman. Those are usually like stat padded linebacker stats. And his were all just true stats. Man, that's crazy. So is that the case where based on his size, you saw him as that three tech and just how he fit in your defense. And then he comes to the NFL, puts on that weight. He's got that big body and you say, okay, now you're that big space. The one. Tell. Yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, he, he's played some three before too. Um, but you know, in the NFL, you know, so many double teams and stuff like that, he could, he could take that on and, and work with that. But then when he had the opportunities to work, you know, one-on-one or so many teams or, 
our true zone teams, whether it's inside zone or outside, um, it really causes a problem with, you know, him and a one tech and that guard trying to scoop him and reach him as he's working down the line, just because of his quickness and its length, being able to post people off. Yeah. When I was writing the article, I, I was going through and I was checking the stats and a lot of people were commenting, like he was out of position last year in Seattle. Don't really take into account that because his PFF grade was a 56.2 and he had three sacks, but only 35 tackles. So like you said, he was a defensive end last year, correct? Because they went from a 4-3 to a 3-4. Right. And they, they basically had him playing a read end. So he was like a big end where he was just mirror stepping and doing that and not able to penetrate. Um, but yeah, and, and they, you know, even, you know, you know, Pete Carroll came out after the season and said they overplayed him. Um, he played more snaps than he ever had. You know, I know one thing that was you know, a big thing that his agent really, you know, talked about, you know, with the fit with Buffalo um, was that Buffalo rotated their defensive line more than any team in the NFL last year. And um, so that was one thing, too, to keep him fresh and keep him going. I was going to ask, so how, how do you see him fitting in with the Bills defense? Because I talked at the beginning about how Daquan Jones is a one tech. Puna Ford is immediately that backup one tech. But do you think that he could push him for that starting one tech position and really be a force on this defensive line here in Buffalo? I can tell you this is it's it's obviously going to come down to, to making plays and everything like that. But but Puna doesn't go anywhere. doesn't do anything to be second best. He's the ultimate competitor. Um, he's going to come in there to play. And I think I told you this the other day, you know, um, he's he's coming there to start. And, you know, it, it'll, you know, if he if he is a starter, then he'll earn it. If he's not, then somebody else will earn it. But this isn't a – I'm signing a, a contract for a year to come and, and just, you know, rotate in occasionally. Like, he's, he's coming to play football, and he's, he's coming to, to, uh, to make a statement and to, um, you know, to, to be a starter. And, um, you know, it's the NFL. There's a lot of – ton of great players. And, um, but, um, but that's what he's – you know, that's what he's coming there to do. Now, have you talked to Puna since he signed the deal with Buffalo? I have. Puna and I talk almost every day. So we've had a, a tremendous relationship uh, since the moment I got here. Um, we're extremely close. Uh, my daughter jokes, uh, Sonia, she says that Puna's my oldest daughter. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're really close. Um, you know, whenever he comes home, he always, you know, comes by the house. And um, he's uh, absolutely, you know, phenomenal. But, you know, we talked through the entire process and, you know, we've always have. Um, you know, when we went through the draft process and he didn't get drafted, we talked through all of that. And, you know, the NFL is all about the right fit. And when he signed with the Seahawks, we knew that there was a need there and we knew that the, there was opportunity there. Um, he, he went for less of a signing bonus because, I mean, rookie deals are rookie deals, but less of a signing bonus to go to Seattle because the point behind that was – is it doesn't matter what your signing bonus is as an undrafted free agent if you don't make a team. You know, you can you can do a signing bonus for 25000 or have one for 50000 but if you don't make that roster, you know, and you got that 50000 that's all you're going to make. Um, so everything's always been talked about. I mean, you know, um, we have a, a, a relationship, you know, built on love and trust. And, and so every step of the way, you know, he, he calls me, you know, throughout all of it. So what has he had to say about Buffalo so far? Because Tom Pelissero said that he took less money to come to Buffalo. 
So what did he have to say about that? And just Buffalo in general, maybe Bill's Mafia, the city of Buffalo, and what is he expecting on Sean McDermott's defense? Um, well, as far as that goes, it's funny because I told you I, I read a lot of things on him and on Twitter and stuff like that. I don't think that's he, how we met. <laughs> I don't I don't think he pays attention at all to any of it. But you know, when when you know Tom had had, had made that tweet and, and talked about that, somebody was like, "Oh, that's agent talk. It's not agent talk." Like he literally turned down more money to come to Buffalo. Um, he 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 knows Buffalo. He loves Buffalo. Uh, so I'm gonna tell you a little bit of a, a backstory on Puna. So Puna, and you can you can read about this, but but Puna was primarily raised by his paternal grandmother. So his grandmother's husband, who was not her first husband, but the one that Puna knows as grandpa is he's from Buffalo. So all the years growing up, Puna and his family used to do summer trips to Buffalo. So I get people all the time who ask me, what part of Buffalo? I have no clue. I just know, you know, Buffalo. So every summer he would go up to Buffalo for a week or two. Um, So that was one of the things we talked about when we talked about the weather and the cold and all that. You know, he obviously, you know, um, he knows what he's getting into there. Um, but he was very excited and, and, and he's excited to be back in a four, three defense in which he can do what's, what, what's his best ability to, to provide, you know, help and, and play with, and, and that's within a four, three defense. Um, now he can play three, four nose, but he, but he's not an end. So he's excited about the opportunity. He's excited to be, um, on a, on a team that has a chance to win. That's a big thing for him. I can tell you from Puno Ford's entire life, when I say he's the ultimate competitor, I don't care how much money he's making. If he's a professional athlete or not winning and losing matters to that kid. And I say, kid, he's a 27 year old man, (laughs) but I always will call him kid, but winning and losing matters to him. You know, you got some older fans who talk, you know, who remember when Chris Spielman played there and I grew up with Chris Spielman in my house. Same hometown, you know, best friends with my brother. Same type of mentality. Um, winning and losing matters to him. Um, his five years in the NFL, you know, we talk after every game. But if they win, we talk that night. If they lose, we talk the next day. Um, because, you know, I know that he doesn't want to talk after a game if they lose. Um, so he he's a guy, like I said, the ultimate competitor. He's not going to say two words. He's just going to bring his lunchbox every day and go out there and grind. And that's pretty much the Bills' DNA. So they they love guys like that. We got another super chat from James. Can, I, just, can, I, right? can I jump in on something? Yeah, Real go quick. ahead. Somebody said we play a four-two-five. As far as the front goes in a four-two-five, it's the same. The only thing that changes is your number of safeties and backers. So front-wise, it's still a four-man front, so it's the same. So James says, Coach, why do you think he went undrafted? Because he's 5'11 and 5'8s. He was not invited to the combine because of that. Um, He was two-time All-Big 12 his senior year. He was the Big 12 Defensive Lineman of the Year. Um, That year, you know, according to everybody, he was the biggest snub of the uh, combine and then the draft. Um, But like I said, um, it was about him finding the right fit. And and you guys have probably seen this through the years is, you know, sometimes it's better once you get past the fifth round, it's better not to get drafted in the sixth or the seventh round, because then you can pick the, the, you know, the team that's best for you. 
And, uh, you know, we, we knew he was going to get, a, a you know, the opportunity in Seattle. We knew that they needed defensive linemen. Uh, kind of unique story on how it worked. He took a top 30 visit to Seattle, doesn't get drafted, but Seattle's D-line coach, who is now their defense coordinator, is Clint Hurt. Circle all the way back. Puna was originally committed to who? In high school. Remember me telling you this? Before he went to Texas, who was he committed to? Was it Louisville? He was committed to Louisville. Guess who the D-line coach at Louisville was who offered him? That guy. Glenn Hurt. So when Charlie Strong took the job with Texas, Clint Hurt left and became the D-line coach for the Chicago Bears. And then Clint transitioned to Seattle. So um, it was funny because when Puna was deciding between the four and five teams uh, that he was going to go to, I talked to Coach Hurt, and he said, I told you I'm going to coach him one day. And uh, he was right. We just thought it was going to be in college and not in the NFL. Um, so he went there, made the roster, you know, made an impact as his rookie season and then the rest of his history. Now, did he have any pre-draft visits or conversations with the Bills? Were there any ties to Buffalo back in 2018? That's a good question. I don't I don't remember much of that. I know where he was kind of, you know, where he kind of narrowed it down to. And um, it was Seattle and it was uh, another team in the NFC West which always blew my mind because I grew up a diehard Steeler fan, mm. even though I have, I have now I have more in my closet. I have more Seahawks stuff than I do Steelers. <laughs> so now I'll have more Bill stuff. There you um, go. Welcome aboard. Yeah. Right. Um, I hear it every day in school. So, so this is another thing that comes into it. Not the same people as when Puna was here, but our principal Bill's mafia, our boys, baseball coach Bill's mafia, <laughs> our assistant baseball coach, Bill's Mafia. Our girls lacrosse coach, Bill's Mafia. Our team photographer, Bill's Mafia. Literally. Um, like our uh, that many Bills fans are down in Hilton Head. It's it's we absolutely ridiculous. Our principal was wow. so excited last year when the potential of the game being played in, I believe it was Atlanta when they talked about the playoff game. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was gonna get moved there like a neutral site game. He was so excited, and I think the Bills lost, but he had already like found a way, like he was on the, like he had gotten the tickets, he was going. So we have, um, we have five or six, like very serious, serious uh, Bills fan. In fact, a former teacher who had him as sophomore year in English class who retired last year, just sent me an email the other day about him uh, going to Buffalo and how happy she was as, you know, she's a Bills fan. So, um, so yeah, he's going to, uh, have plenty of support here on the island. Love to hear it. I know when I go down to Myrtle Beach, I put a Bill shirt on and people are like, go Bills. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> there's a lot of Bills fans down here because, you know, everyone hates the cold. So we have a lot of snowbirds or people that just live down there full time. So I think right. you get a lot of us down there. <laughs> well, and the, and the crazy thing is you get a lot of people who transition down here from the Midwest and, and now New York. Um, and, and now some Michigan too. So you get a ton of people down here, but like the, for a better lack of term, but the old heads here, you know, like the people who grew up here that are football fans, they're all Cowboys fans. And that always was a head scratcher to me until one of my assistant coaches who was from here explained to me, he said, look, when we grew up as kids, the Jaguars didn't exist. The Panthers didn't exist. The Buccaneers stunk. And so did the Falcons. The only thing that was on TV every Sunday was America's team, and it was Dallas. 
So everybody generally in this area, if, if, if they were from here, they grew up cowboy fans. Um, and then obviously we have all the transplants that come here from everywhere else. But yeah, there's a huge Bill's uh, restaurant and uh, bar here called the R Bar. Not trying to give them free publicity, but um, you know, for and every Sunday, like anytime I go in there on a Sunday, it is jam packed wall to wall with Buffalo Bills fans. Nice, nice, nice. Um, I have two more questions for you. And then I'm going to bring Zach and Bryce on to see if they have anything that they want to ask. And then I want to open it up to the comments. I mean, it already is pretty much open, but before BJ leaves, if you guys have any other questions for him, feel free to fire away and we'll get to them. But my two questions are, first of all, I don't know if you can speak on this, but do you know the other teams that were trying to get Puna Ford before he ultimately chose Buffalo? Um, yes. <laughs> I don't know what I, I don't know if he would you know want me saying who it was and who it was and I can tell you um, um, the the other ones I, how about can I can I just give you uh, divisions does that work I would say yeah maybe just divisions or conferences maybe you shouldn't say um, so, oh, yeah it was between Buffalo and Miami <laughs> yeah so um, there was a team in the NFC West that wanted him and um, it would have been pretty dynamic. Uh, with their front. Um, I'll just say that. Um, <laughs> there was a team in the NFC North um, that really is the one that really made a late push. Um, and it wasn't the Bears. I know Bears fans on Twitter were just like Bills fans. They all wanted to sign Puna, but it was not the Bears. It was an NFC North team. Um, and there was a, a couple of AFC teams in there and obviously his, his former team. So um, when it, I think when it really narrowed down to the, you know, to the, you know, making a decision, there were three or four teams in, in play. Did you say that was Seattle still interested? They were, or, or was, they were, but they were still, like they were still figuring things out thing, just because of thing. you cut out there for a second. Can you hear me? Uh, Seattle or they were ready to move on? No, Seattle wanted to bring him back, but Seattle's problem is they have major cap issues right now. And, you know, they went out in free agency and, and signed a bunch of other positions. And, um, you know, they still got, you know, um, Adam's contract and a, a lot of things there. And, you know, and, he, and don't get me wrong. He absolutely loves Seattle. Um, he loved the city. He loved the 12s. He, he loved the coaching staff. He loved management. He loved everything about Seattle. So for him to for him to move on to go somewhere else, it had to be somewhere special. Well, it's Buffalo and Seattle with arguably the best fans in the league. So now he gets to see the real 12th man. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. Like I said, I grew up a diehard Steelers fan, and I, I never knew. Obviously, you know, the Bills fans – are elite of their own, you know, um, are, are elite in their own right and um, in a league of their own. But I was amazed, like you just said about Seahawks fans, is I would always go, you know, see him play. And, and usually I would see him on the road, if you, you know, when they were playing on the East Coast. And I was amazed at how Seahawks fans traveled. I mean, I was absolutely blown away. I, did, I had no clue that they traveled the way they did. Um, it was amazing. Obviously, Bills fans travel everywhere. Yeah, it's awesome. And the last just quick one that I had for you is going back to his grandma. She was the one that nicknamed him Puna, right? It was actually Pooh Bear. Yeah. Because so his real name is Kalen. 
Yeah, so the story has gotten out about that. So um, I know he doesn't mind if I share it now. So he's he's Kalen Ford Jr. You know, dad is Kalen Sr. But he his grandma gave him the nickname of Pooh Bear his entire, you know, from, from birth on. So he was always Pooh Bear. So it might have been around fourth grade. He was on the playground and she yelled, hey, Pooh Bear, I'm here. Come on. And he came over to got in a car. When he got in a car, he told grandma, you know, hey, grandma, you can't embarrass me. I'm from the girls like that and call me Pooh Bear. <laughs> So grandma said, okay, we will make it tougher sounding. How about if I call you Puna? Because you're always going to be my poo. So that's how he switched to Puna. And uh, it was funny during his high school recruiting, you know, nobody had any clue. So college recruiters would call me and say, okay, now what's his background? Is he Samoan? Is he Polynesian? You know, because <laughs> they saw the name Puna and just assumed. Um, but that's all you got. It originated from Pooh Bear. And then, like, in fourth grade, he thought Grandma embarrassed him in front of the girls, so he switched to Puna. And we might have talked about this, but was was he born and raised in Hilton Head? He was, Well, in a general area, yes. So, okay. um, technically, he was born in Pritchardville, which is about 30, 45 minutes away from here. And then um, – uh, but then he was – you know, grew up on the island here and went to Hilton Head schools his entire life. Nice. All right. Well, with that – you have a few minutes, right, for Zach and Bryce yeah, to come on and for any of the people in the chat that want to ask some questions. So, of course, I'm going to bring them on as Zach joins us, as does Bryce here. Guys, how you doing? Doing pretty good. Definitely more pumped after hearing some of these responses of the questions. <laughs> I was ex excited about them before, now even more. I will tell you this for all of you guys. He's going to come in, and he's going to be the hardest worker in the room. He doesn't take plays off. He's If you watch his film, you know, he's a guy. He's done this since high school. You know, he pass rushes, and then when the ball's off, he turns around to the field. It's hard to find a defensive lineman who will tackle a wide receiver 12 yards downfield and stop screen game the way he does. That's something that, I mean, he's the ultimate high-motor guy. That's always going, never stops. So you guys are going to absolutely love that about him. Now, Zach and Bryce, do you have any questions that you wanted to ask BJ? Uh, yeah, I have one. So earlier you mentioned that he switched from uh, middle linebacker, I think. Uh, was he set on linebacker or was he open to change? Well, so he had been to Mike linebacker and he was going to be, you know, he had started the, the second half of the season, a sophomore year. And, um, you know, he, he was, he was open to the change. I just told him, I said, I promise you, if you trust me, you'll become an all American. Cause I had seen him work out, saw his twitchiness, saw his strength, saw everything that was, you know, about him to be, to be, you know, a division one college football player. And it was going to be at nose guard or three tech. So he trusted me with that and, um, you know, and it worked and he had, you know, success right away with it. Um, he was literally unblockable in high school football. Um, and, uh, you know, I think it's one of those things where, you know, you transition and you see the immediate success, it becomes very easy. But I mean, I'm talking plays first day of spring practice, where literally my offensive coordinator, our offensive line coach at the time, Michael Bailey, one day it was first day of spring practice. And we had a Division One quarterback and a Division One tailback. 
Puna was the backside three technique. They ran speed option away from Puna. He crossed the guard, the center, the opposite guard, and made the pitch happen and tackled the running back for a five-yard loss. And that was on that was on speed option. It was on like dive option. Like that's how that's how unique he was. And um, offensive line coach said, "Hey, uh, you know that was your backside three technique that just made that." And I said, "Yes, I know." And I just smiled and walked back. So, um, like I said, he had immediate success right off the bat. Let me, let me sneak in real quick. Did he play any other? positions maybe some skilled positions when he was younger growing up i guess that's another question too did he always play football like in midgets or was he kind of a late bloomer and if no, he did start early did he ever try any position like maybe tight end wide receiver quarterback even um he might have played a little bit of quarterback whenever he was younger because he could throw he could throw the ball I'm, i i don't know who the quarterback depth chart is there i obviously i know the big one but he'll come in and he can spin it it's amazed reporters are always amazed they were in seattle at him throwing the ball like at training camps. Um, but obviously he played fullback and tailback for us. Um, so I want to think his whole life growing up, he was like a fullback Mike Backer. Um, his junior year then, he only played defensive tackle. Then his senior year, we got him back in at fullback and running back. And, you know, he was elite feet, 290 pounds running the ball. So he was um, he was pretty special. His senior year, we played our rival and it was my second year here, and the first time Hilton had it beaten them in, like, the previous 10 games. In that game, uh, Puna ran the ball, I want to think, like, 11 times for, like, 70 yards, had three touchdowns, and on defense he had, like, five tackles for loss and three sacks and, like, 20 total tackles. So um, he's an absolute uh, war daddy. Charlie Strong, Coach Strong, you saw his call him a war daddy. He's the ultimate war daddy. Zach, uh, if you have any questions, feel free to jump in here. And with that, chat, I want to hear from you guys. If you have anything for BJ before he heads out here, feel free to post them in the comment section here, and we will get to them after Zach goes here, right here. Honestly, I, <laughs> I, like I said, I was already sold on him, and – Everything that you've said tonight has just made me even more excited about him. I don't really have anything else. I mean, I guess I should say is, do you think he could end up being uh, Buffalo's QB2? <laughs> yeah. I don't know who QB2 is now, but, um, you know, it's funny because he was so stressed <clears throat> his, his rookie year as a free agent making the team that he actually said, hey, should I go play fullback? And we me and his agent kept telling him like, no, do not do it. Um, but, uh, but now he's, he's, he's just an all around athlete. And like I said, he gets perceived because of his appearance that he's not an athlete, but, but he is um, a, a genuine true athlete that can, that can do anything and everything. And like I said, you guys, you guys are going to look back on this interview when you watch him play next year and you're going to be like, man, he told us like he is a nonstop motor turns and runs, chases people downfield. Um, he he is the ultimate competitor. And, I mean, every play plays it like it's his last. I have another one for you. I see James has one here, too. Actually, yeah, let's get to James first because <laughs> I think we'll like this here. Does Puna like Buffalo Wings? That could be a deal breaker if not. Yeah. And so, Ranch or Blue Cheese? Um, 
I'm not positive, but I'm guessing ranch. And um, I don't think I've ever seen Puna, you know, turn down any food. So, um, <laughs> uh, so yeah, he does like wings, which, by the way, somebody's going to have to tell me, like, the best places to get wings um, and buffalo. So, um, you know, if you could let me know on Twitter, because uh, I'll be up at a couple games. I've already looked at the schedule to figure out when and where. I like Barbell. In East Aurora, that's my personal favorite, but you can't go wrong. I mean, there are so many good places. Like, even if you want to go, I know people aren't as high on the Anchor Bar, but I think a wing is a wing. You know, they have their tendencies, but Anchor Bar, Gabriel's Gate, Duff's. Is DeAndre Hopkins at Duff's? (laughs) Is Puna Ford at Duff's? (laughs) That's a running joke here in Buffalo. I don't know how it started, but whenever there's a big name on the market, people joke on Twitter and say, oh, I saw Saquon Barkley at Duff's today. Like, oh, okay, cool. Nice. Well, he's up there right now, so he might be at Duff's. Because <laughs> I guess they're in uh, phase two right now, workouts. Yeah, getting ready for OTAs. Yeah, so he went up there. I know he, he went up there, and uh, when we talked, uh, he was going up to sign his contract and, you know, do his physical and did that. And then, you know, I asked him, I said, hey, when are you coming back home? He was like, I got no clue. I was like, you need me to send you anything? Because I think, you know, I don't, I don't think he expected to stay right away. Um, but he did, and he's he's there now. Do you know if he was part of Micah Hyde's charity softball event today? I do not know that, but I do know that Micah Hyde has been in the NFL now for, I think, 32 years, because when I was a high school coach in Ohio, Micah Hyde was playing, you know, before he went to Iowa. I remember Micah Hyde was, you know, Mr. Everything in Ohio at Fostoria High School. So um, I think this is year 32 for Micah in the NFL. <laughs> You gotta Something be pretty like that, good. Yeah. You gotta be pretty good to play that long. Now that kind of transitions into my question because I was wondering, do you know much about the Bills defense? And have you been keeping track of their draft picks and free agency signings? Um, you know what? I, I really don't. Um, you know, obviously that's something here that I'll dive into in the next couple of weeks and, and take a look at everything. I know what's up front um in regards to the, the defensive line. Um, I know that, but you know. You know, I know they, they, they lost the linebacker this year. I know they got a couple other good ones that are there. Um, actually, uh, right across the bridge from us, um, um, he just left Buffalo uh, before last season. The linebacker's coach. Oh, Bobby Bat Was it Bobby yeah. Babbage? Yeah, Bobby Babbage lives right across the bridge. Um, so Bobby lives 20 minutes from here. And now his son's there too, right? Is it? Yeah, yeah. His, his son took Bobby, over, right? I think yeah. Bobby Jr. took over backers. So Bobby used I had to, to think for a second. Yeah. Bobby yeah. Jr. used to recruit us when we had a kid named Bryce Singleton. Bobby Jr. was at FIU at the time, Florida International, and signed Bryce to FIU. Um, so I guess there's more Bill ties here that I didn't think about. <laughs> but yeah, Bobby Sr. actually stopped by our workouts last year. And, um, I tried to talk him out of the whole retirement thing. Like, Hey, I think you're going to miss football. Come coach linebackers for me. And he just told me absolutely not, but he's enjoying retirement down here. I think he's golfing every day. Yeah. The golf has to be nice down there, right? It is. And that's one of those things about being down here. Everybody's like, Oh, you're, you're the head coach at Hilton Edge. You must golf every day and go to the beach every day. And I always tell (laughs) you, first of all, the golf's expensive, but when you live here, you work here, you know, you, you don't get a chance to do those things every day. It's not a vacation. Yeah, for sure. Now, going back to my question. So you don't really have to know the Bills depth chart here. So I'll just try to lay it out for you. Matt Milano, 
one of the best linebackers in the league. He's the outside linebacker, no question. Right. You mentioned how they lost Tremaine Edmonds, and now it's an open competition because they drafted Terrell Bernard in the third round last year. They took Doran Williams in the third round this year. They brought A.J. Klein back. They brought Terrell Dodson back. They have Balen Spector from Clemson. Is Clemson close to you guys? Actually, that's one of those things where it's probably like New York City for you guys. Like Clemson's, oh. <laughs> actually, Clemson's actually like five hours away from Hilton Head, even though it's in the same state. It's just really hard to get to from here. So like South Carolina is two and a half, but people don't realize like Gainesville, University of Florida is only three and a half. UCF's only four and a half. Uh, all the schools in the triangle, NC State, UNC, Duke are only five. So all those schools are just as close as Clemson. Hmm. Yeah, so the Bills have an open competition for that Mike linebacker position, and that's a big topic of conversation here, especially who's going to start a linebacker right now. Seems like Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4:55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. These guys, and by guys, I mean Terrell Bernard last year and now Doran Williams this year, where they take those smaller, more athletic linebackers and we're like, why are they getting these undersized Mike linebackers? But do you think, tying this in with Puna Ford, that – he could be that big space eater to let them in space. Yeah, I think so. I, I think if you if you if you look at, at Puna's history and and you look back through the years, you know they had a kid at Texas who played inside backer named Malik Jefferson, who came out who was an All American who ended up becoming a second round pick. But they had asked Malik in the process. They said if you could take one guy from the University of Texas with you to whatever team drafts you, who would you take? And he said Puna Ford. And he said, because Puna kept me clean and kept my jersey clean for four years and let me run to the ball. And Bobby Wagner has said, you know, the same thing when he was in Seattle, um, when Puna was playing in front of him. And I think Bobby Wagner turned out to be pretty good. You know, he was a, you know, all pro, you know, several times with Puna in front of him. But I think that's that's the case of time. You know, he he's very good at, you know, if he is playing that one take a one tack of taking on those double teams and not allowing those guys to release to the second level. Um, and you, you just can't move him. I mean, you know, I know, like I said, everybody says, oh, he's five eleven and a half. He's three ten, 
But I mean, he's a legitimate, you know, his junior in high school, he squatted 675. You, you just can't, it's very hard to move him, especially in a one-on-one situation. It doesn't happen, but he's got such a low natural center of gravity and just has natural leverage that people don't have. Great. Love to hear it. So I see one question here. One of the fans asked, what team did Puna grow up rooting for? I 100% know that because we still talk about it to this day. I grew up a diehard Steeler fan. Puna grew up a diehard Baltimore Ravens fan. Mm. So he grew up a, a, a big uh, Ray Lewis fan and Ravens. So when Puna was here, we talked more trash over the phone and through text message uh, when those games would come on. And we still do, even though he's in the league, we still talk trash when it comes time to Ravens Steelers games. <laughs> what is so, the closest team to you guys? Is it Atlanta? I guess technically Carolina Panthers. Oh, yeah. Three, okay. three and a half. Atlanta's four and a half. No, Jaguars. Because we're only, because really? like we talked about, we're as south as you can be in South Carolina. Yeah. Wow. Jaguars, Jaguars are only two hours and 20 minutes from us. So Baltimore's not like that close. It's just he grew up kind of idolizing those players Six, that you talked about. Six and a half. Yeah. You know, I mean, I mean, when you're a diehard football player and you got, you know, you know, Ray Lewis and Ed Reed and those guys, you know, pretty, pretty good, you know, team, but you know, he would go into Baltimore would, would, would hurt me if he ever went there. If he went to the Browns, it would destroy me. So, um, you know, originally they were, they were uh, sniffing around a while ago about Puna. And I told Puna, I said, well, you know how this goes. I will always support you, but I will not buy one Browns item to support <laughs> you. If you went to Baltimore, I could I could do that, but I could not do it for Cleveland. No, I was going to ask you in the beginning, because you said you're from Northeast Ohio. If you're a Browns, Cavs, and or Guardians fan, but I think we have that answered at least for the Browns. So my dad grew up, grew up right outside of Pittsburgh. So I was raised a diehard Steelers, Pirates, and Pens fan. I will cheer for the Cavs. I will cheer for the Guardians, but I will never, never, never cheer for the Browns. And I know what's going to happen is one time I'm going to have, you know, a kid that goes on to play for the Browns, and that's great. I'll wish him well, but I will not buy his jerseys. <laughs> like my entire family has Puno Ford Seahawks jerseys. So we will not have, uh, if he went to the Browns, we'll never have Puno Ford jerseys, but we'll have Buffalo Bills ones for this year. Perfect. And while we wait for more questions, if you guys have anything else before BJ heads out here, feel free to post them in the chat. While we wait for that, why don't you show everyone Puna Ford's cleat? Uh, so these are, so with all of our players that go on, they kind of get a, an area in my office and a shelf. So this is, uh, <laughs> this is Puna's, cleats from when he played at university of texas and uh signed him and he brought him in for me as a gift uh like i said you know i've been very fortunate for our relationship um um you know he's given me you know i've got a, a you know game worn seahawks jersey i've got his texas jersey which was actually uh, it was actually almost became a big deal because his freshman year they played in a bowl game and as soon as he flew home, uh, before he got to the, uh, as soon as he got to the airport, he drove directly to my house, knocked on the door, gave me a big hug, gave me his jersey that he wore in a bowl game, and then he went to see his grandma. So then his sophomore and junior year, 
they didn't make a bowl game at Texas. So I'm sweating it out his senior year thinking this guy's got to make a bowl game or I'm going to have to give him his damn jersey back <laughs> because he was going to have to keep the one jersey he wore in a bowl game. So luckily they won the bowl game or they made a bowl game his senior year. I was there for it. And um, so luckily I didn't have to give that jersey back. So, um, so yeah, I've got uh, I've got quite the uh, the, the Puna Ford Shrine. His uh, that jersey hangs um, actually in in my living room, um, right next to my TV. It's, it's right there. James has another question. He says, "Coach, what's the best barbecue joint in Hilton Head?" Uh, depends what you want. If you want wings, uh, or the one that people talk about the most is uh, One Hot Mamas. Um, and then the one that's a, a really good barbecue place is called Bullies, B-U-L-L-I-E-S, Bullies Barbecue. Uh, highly, highly, highly recommend the ribs there. Uh, they're dry rub, but then they got sauces if you want to put sauce on them. But those are the two spots for barbecue. Uh, wings would be One Hot Mama's, and they have other barbecue stuff too. But if you just want true Southern barbecue, it's probably uh, Bullies Barbecue. And then we have another question here. Which QB in the AFC East would Puna most look forward to sacking? Uh, that's a good question. I don't know the exact answer to that, but if I had to guess on personality types as opposite as Puna, probably whoever is quarterback in the New York Jets. <laughs> I was going to say Aaron Rodgers. I don't know that for a fact. That is just my guess on personality types. Um, that would be that would be the one. Because who else do we got? We got what? Mac Jones. We got two. Tua. That's it. Yeah. There's only four teams in the East. I'm not being funny. I just don't know this. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There's yeah. Josh Allen, Mac Jones, Tua, and now Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, I got a feeling I don't – it could be either one of the two in New York, but it's definitely going to be somewhere, somebody wearing green and white. This, that's, I don't know that for a fact, but that's my professional opinion on who it would be. Did he have any history with Rodgers and the Packers back from 2018 to just getting uh, – well, he didn't get released, but you know, in the last few years in Seattle, was there any history? Did they meet in the playoffs at all, or yeah, was that met, before him? No, they met in the playoffs. The Packers knocked him out. Um, I'm trying to think. Um, last year was such a blur. They got knocked out by, I guess, the Niners. And then one year they got knocked out by the Cowboys. I was actually at that game. Um, and then they got knocked out by the Packers. I was not at that game because it was in Lambeau in January. So I did, I, I made a I made a, a choice on a professional choice on that one. Um, but no, 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 like history or you know anything like that. Nothing like you know how no history. Like uh, I saw somebody in the comment section. I think last year it got pretty heated with Josh Allen and Christian Wilkins, right? Yeah. So Christian, every year it does. So Christian's my guy. So I will. Really? I will defend Christian right now, and I'm probably going to get all the Bills fans to hate me. Christian, so I hold a huge youth football camp down here. Um, that's actually in two weekends, May 19th through the 21st. And we bring in 16 to 18 college and NFL guys to work this camp. So Puna has done this camp probably for eight years. Christian and Dexter Lawrence have done it for like seven years. So it's for – 
kindergarten through eighth grade. So literally kids come to the camp and they get, they get coached up by Puna, Christian Wilkins and Dexter Lawrence. Um, but Christian tends to have that, that personality where if you know him and he's playing for you, you absolutely love him. But if he's on another team, he drives you crazy. Mm -hmm. Ohio state fans still hate him from when he was at Clemson. Um, I know him and, and Josh had their issues, but you know, Christian's an, an amazing, amazing guy. You know, you people can say what they want to and, and, and hate his style of play. But, like, if you watch him, like, when he's mic'd up, it's it's absolutely hilarious. He doesn't cuss. You know, he's like, hey, buddy, watch yourself. And he is, um, you know, he just has fun with the game. And he's, a, you know, a, a, a tremendous person. And, uh, you know, he's done a lot with our youth here and a lot uh, here. So him and Puna will be together in two weeks at that camp because they're both coming back for the camp again this year. So maybe I can get some trash talk between those two going a little bit. <laughs> well, Christian's, gonna, Christian's about to be an extremely wealthy man too. So yeah, he's, he's going into year five and obviously he came out the same year as Dexter. And we saw what Dexter just got four years, 90 million and Dexter yep. and Christian are our best friends. So uh, Christian's uh, uh, somebody has said earlier that, you know, Christian's listed as a D tackle, but he's an end because the dolphins are a three, four, but yeah, he's not a nose, you know, he's a, Christian's a three tech or, he, you know, he can play end and, and, and has that, you know, in his repertoire, but he's had a, a great NFL career and team captain out for the dolphins. He's, he's, he's one of the good guys, even though I know I'm probably killing myself right now <laughs> because with Buffalo fans, but, but, you know, he's a guy that if he was, if he was on the bills, everybody would absolutely love him. Now going back to the Aaron Rodgers point, Zach and Bryce, you can probably help me out with this. It was Jordan Phillips who made Rodgers a meme, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. That yeah, one. years ago. Yeah. Is that where his helmet was like halfway off of the chin strap? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe Phillips and Puna Ford can uh, team up now and, and see if they can do more of that. All right, looks like we have one more question, and then we'll probably wrap it up after that because I know you got to get going. James says, Coach, how much you benching these days? <laughs> Not much. Weights are heavy. <laughs> I was, uh, we used to have a PE teacher here uh, who was our head track coach who used to be with me. And I used to always, because uh, he was, he was a distance runner. He used to run marathons. So I used to just always have kids because we always talk about how, you know, just randomly, no matter where you're at, somebody might come up and say, Hey, what do you bench? And it's always like, what? Like I'm, I'm 47 now. I haven't maxed and benching. 25 years, but I used to always have kids in our classes go up to them randomly and just say, Hey, what do you bench? And, uh, it was always a, a great joke between us. So I don't know what I'm benching. Um, I don't have long arms like Puna, you know, I'm built like a T-Rex. Mm -hmm. I could probably still get 300 easy. I'm, I will tell you this. Jacked. If you ever talk to Puna, I will tell you this. I am the only guy the only guy who's ever gone squat for squat with Puna in a squat rack. I'm the only one who could ever go in there with him. So that's what, that's on my, uh, on my badge of fame. That's, that's one of them is I could go <laughs> with Puna in the squat rack. Nice. Nice. All right. Zach or Bryce, do you have anything else for BJ before we uh, wrap this up? I think I'm uh, pretty good here. I'm not set. Me too. All right. And do you have anything for us, BJ, if you want to ask anything about Buffalo or just the Bills? No, no, I just, I mean, I know that you guys are going to absolutely love Puna. You know, that's that's all I have to say is, you know, you guys are going to love him. Um, I believe he's going to be wearing 98. So if anybody wants to go get their Puna 4 jerseys, um, 
And, and if you ever want to tag along with something, it started in Seattle. And uh, actually, the, the sports writer and sportscaster, Mina Kaim, started it. Mina, um, you know, works for ESPN, but she's, you know, from Seattle, a big Seahawks fan. Uh, but it started the whole Puna Hive thing. So it's it's uh, Puna's Hive is a big thing, and hashtag. So if you look up Puna, you'll probably see a lot of that or Seattle fans who talked about that. But, um, but yeah, like I said, I'll be, you know, on social media, you know, following the bills now and, and um, continuing to, uh, you know, watch, watch him, uh, you know, go through his journey, you know, as, as a man now through life and, and then football, but you're going to absolutely love everything he brings strong in the community. He doesn't like I was, I was telling uh, Kevin not he's he's not always the media's favorite, not because he doesn't like media. He just doesn't like to talk. Like he's a he's a quiet, keep to himself, let his body of work speak for him type guy. Um, so if, if anybody's looking for an outlandish guy in a locker room, he ain't gonna be that. He's he's rarely gonna talk, but he's gonna come every day to work and to get better and to make the team, um, you know, strive to that goal of of you know getting that Lombardi Trophy. Well, hopefully it's here in Buffalo because we've been waiting long enough. <laughs> exactly. I think he froze again. <laughs> Are we the only third that haven't frozen yet? Yeah, I think oh, so. Do yeah. I have any more? Am I frozen again? You were. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You guys have any uh you have any Wi-Fi providers down in Hilton Head that can come help me out here? Yeah, probably. Um you, there's probably plenty of choices down there. <laughs> yeah, like that. I don't know what is going on with it, but hey, we made it through. But that being said, if you haven't already, please smash that subscribe button, follow all of us here, especially BJ, as we got him on the Bills Mafia train now. You know, make sure to give me a follow, Bryce, Zach, and like I said, BJ, and see what he's got cooking up down there at Hilton Head. And BJ, thank you again for coming on tonight. Really appreciate it. And hope to see you up in Buffalo sometime. Maybe we'll go get some wings together. Yeah, definitely. I'll, I'll be up there for at least, uh, you know, one or two home games this year. And, you know, probably see him on the road a, a couple times. You know, I was already looking at that. So definitely I'm excited to uh, – to uh, be a part of Bill's Mafia now and, uh, you know, cheer for the entire thing. I've always been a big Josh Allen fan, huge, huge Josh Allen fan. Um, so I love the way he plays the game. Um, so I'm, I'm excited uh, to watch his uh, journey continue here. And my family and I are coming down to Myrtle Beach in August. So if I have an extra few hours, maybe I can make the drive down. You're going to need about three and a half or four. I get buddies all the time who are like, hey, I'm a Myrtle. Let's have dinner. And I'm like, uh, it's four hours away. You coming here? <laughs> yeah, then another four hours back. So that's like a two-day thing then. Yeah. And it, it, if anybody also, you, you're talking about, you know, social media stuff. My social media is, uh, my Twitter is American FB, like football, American FB camp. And uh, my Instagram is Coach BJ Payne. P-A-Y-N-E. I do not do Snap or Facebook or anything like that, but those are those are my two social medias. And finally, Kyle says, thanks for your time, BJ. Looking forward to what Puna brings to our team. So I think that is a good spot to close off. So just want to thank you again for coming on and uh, definitely enjoyed that chat that we had tonight. And again, 
for anyone out there, you guys know this if you've been part of the show before, but this is all recorded, so you can go back and watch the playback. We'll have the timestamps on there, and we'll chop it up. And uh, if you want any specific parts of our conversation, definitely go back and check that out. Greatly appreciate you guys having me on today. Yeah, yeah thank you. All right. Thank, thank you. you. Thanks again, and go Bills. Go Bills. Is there like a tag I need to know besides Bills Mafia and go Bills? Is there anything else? Like anything you guys say up there? Yeah, there's a lot. What, what should we say? I mean, the main thing is if you say hello and goodbye, it's go Bills. So if someone says go Bills, you say, hey, go Bills. That's essentially someone saying hello. Okay. All right. So <laughs> that. That, that's the main thing. And all right, when you that, wings, that's all, that's all I need to know. And I love chicken wings, but I'm a, I'm not a boneless wing guy. The bones got to be in it. Boneless wings are just, are just chicken nuggets with salsa. <laughs> Oh, you just ingratiated yourself further into Bill's mafia. Oh, it's I mean it has to have a bone. And I'm a drumstick guy, but I'll I'll do the flats, but it's gotta have bones in it. I don't I don't want chicken nuggets with sauce on them. Oh, and I will say beef on wick. You gotta try that when you're here too. Yeah, so well, BW3s. That's how it originated from there. So yeah, I've I've had that before. Okay, cool. So All right, you gotta guys. get that and some wings and definitely a couple beers up in Buffalo. Hey, I'm good. It sounds good to me. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks again. Right. I appreciate it. I appreciate you guys. Thank you. All right. So once again, that was Hilton head high school football coach, BJ Payne joining us here on the BF writers club guys. What do we think about that? Because that was pretty cool how that all worked. That was from my article that I wrote where he was searching Puna Ford on Twitter. And then we just ended up meeting each other. And then long story short, here we are. He joined the pod. All I know yeah, I is was... Sorry. No, I, I was just going to say, I thought it was a great conversation. Got to learn a lot about, you know, what Pona can bring to the team, you know, where he fits on D-line. Yeah, and I was listening to this. Like, I knew, I knew who he was from Seattle. Like, as a player, I was a little familiar just in terms of, oh, I've seen that guy's name before. Oh, he must... He looks like he's done he's done some things. But getting to listen to somebody who is so close to him personally and just getting that extra insight into who he is, that was just I'm glad I was here for it. I was <laughs> it makes and we me said, so excited. <laughs> we said before the show started, yeah, we'll probably wrap this up at about nine thirty. Well, I'm looking at the clock now, it's ten o'clock, so that's how you know it's a good conversation when you lose track of time and it's like, oh, shoot, it's 10 o'clock. So, yeah, that was pretty cool to be able to have him come on the show. I mentioned last week how I'm trying to get more guests to come on and spice things up because we're going to enter that dry part of the season. And that was definitely pretty spicy right off the bat. Yeah, especially especially the part where uh, I think we're especially the part where he was talking about how. Puna Ford like is a high motor guy and just like he's he basically what he described about Puna Ford is why I think most Bills fans are excited about him is and also I was just the thing that blew me away was the fact that he actually preferred to be in a place that rotated defensive linemen because you would think usually if you go on the free agent market you want to get as big a role as possible in order to maximize your potential value and whatnot. But 
guess there is there is something to be said about going to a place where you know the defensive line linemen will be fresher coming in off the defensive rotation. So like you have Daquan Jones, then you sub in Puna Ford at one tech, or you sub in Puna Ford at three tech when you want a bit of a beefier run defense. Stuff like that. That's just the stuff that really interested me, especially after listening to our to the conversation. Yeah, so I put the banner up here. What do we think he brings to Buffalo now? Because like I said, I think this justifies the draft pick of Dorian Williams, where you get that big body up front to take up that space to let him have free range of the middle of the field and go attack the ball carrier. Bryce, would you agree with that? Yeah, for sure. And I think that's where, you know, the entire NFL is trending towards is these fast and, you know, quick middle linebackers that, you know, can cover, can rush a pass, uh, rush a passer, uh, provide run support, stuff like that, instead of traditional, you know, huge, big bodied linebackers like we had in Tremaine Edmonds for a few years. You know, before BJ got back to me tonight, like we talked midweek and didn't hear from him for a couple of days. I texted him one more time today and, you know, we set it up and I was trying to think whether we have him on or not, like what are we going to talk about here? And I was thinking about diving into the linebacker room. And I think this is interesting now because, you know, we talked about last week, the, the potential, the possibility of having Dorian Williams as that outside linebacker. And maybe the bills are going to play some more of a four, three. Because I think it was Zach, you were talking about his stats last week where he had five sacks last year at Tulane. So I said, hmm, I wonder if they use him as more of that pass rusher while Von Miller is recovering from his torn ACL and you throw out some different packages out there. Maybe they're going to switch in some 4-3 with some nickel. And now, two days later, they get Puna Ford. And now the wheels are spinning again. I'm just trying to think, hmm, how are they going to run this defense? Do we see a nickel? Do we see a 4-3? Does Puna Ford clog up the middle and maybe Doran Williams get some more time now because he has that big space eater? And I know you had that in Daquan Jones, but I think there are a lot of different angles to this signing. Yeah, I mean, let's put it this way. You can never have too many good, big defensive tackles on your roster. Like, you know, you want to be able to get as many beefy guys that can help take up blocks as you possible, especially if you are going to go with the smaller linebackers in Matt Milano, Bernard or Spectre or Williams or whoever's going to be starting a middle linebacker. If you're not going to have that traditional sized Mike, you're going to need extra beef up on the front in order to keep the linebackers clean. And like how BJ was talking about how, his former Texas teammate Malik Jefferson came out. He was an All-American and said during the draft process how that if he could take one teammate with him, it would be Puna Ford because he kept him clean. I'm very encouraged by that. Yeah, I even love that quote. Puna, even if Puna Ford ends up being just on the lesser end of the rotation, like instead of being like 51, per, maybe he's like 49 or 45 to 50% maybe in the rotation. But even then, if he can make as big an impact as he made his first few years in Seattle before they put him out of position, 
I think we're going to be we're going to see a wholly different defense. Now, James comes in with another question here. And he says, "What's the defensive plan, Kev? 4-2-5, or 4-3-4?" So that goes back to what I was just saying. Do we see more of that base 4-3 where maybe they're not playing as much of that 4-2-5 nickel? I don't know. I, I feel like the Bills are still going to play nickel primarily. Wasn't there a stat that came out this week that the Bills were like 90% nickel? Or am I thinking of something else? I'm not sure if I saw anything about that, but that wouldn't surprise me. They're primarily a base nickel team. And to be fair, it's because they're good at it. It's because it's hard to take Taron Johnson off the field. He plays bigger than his size. He plays like a linebacker, but in a DB's body. So I don't see them going more base 4-3 because that's not necessarily their strong suit. I think they just wanted to look to try to upgrade or at least the defensive line solidify that so that they could potentially make their base nickel defense better. And also bringing in Taylor Rapp would bring in an additional element where if they wanted to do a big big nickel or instead of having two linebackers, maybe you go into – what many dubbed the hashtag thick dime. You bring in a Taylor Rapp as that sort of quasi safety linebacker hybrid. But just getting a little more creative while maintaining their strongest formation on defense. Yeah, and you know, as much as I'm I'm trying to brainstorm some ideas here and say, oh, maybe they use him as more of that four three outside linebacker, try to use him in pass rush situations. I think at the end of the day, like you just said, they are primarily nickel. And even though they're switching defensive coordinators and McDermott is typically more aggressive, I think at the end of the day, they are still going to play a lot of nickel because of the fact that, like you said, Taron Johnson, how do you take that guy off the field? So even though I was just saying, hmm, maybe Puna Ford is here to help those smaller linebackers, let's not forget, even if Terrell Dodson wins the job, because this is the way I see it now. Where when, when the Bills drafted Dorian Williams, at first, Brandon Bean said, yeah, we see him starting out as a backup outside linebacker who's going to contribute on special teams. But then as time went on over the next couple of days, he said, well, we still see him as a Mike linebacker, but maybe not yet because this is a more of a complex system here with the Bills than what he was used to at Tulane. So eventually, hopefully he works his way up to being a middle linebacker. So that's why I'm thinking... Maybe that is why they brought A.J. Klein back for one more year. And maybe that is also why they brought Tyrell Dodson back, where they said, you know what, Dodson, I know you tweeted your goodbyes, but how about you come back for one year? Because we don't know, obviously, that we're going to be drafting Dorian Williams. But if he's there, we're very high on him. Hold the fort down for a year, be that bridge gap, and then he can take over. And I know Dodson and A.J. Klein are way bigger than someone like a Dorian Williams or Terrell Bernard. But the point still remains that you want to get that big one tech like a Puna Ford to make things easier. Because regardless of who wins at starting Mike position, it's going to be a transition from Tremaine Edmonds. And there's going to be a drop off. And you want to do as much as you can to help out that new middle linebacker. Yeah, I think it, regardless of the player size, having a one tech who can t having multiple one techs or multiple players who are capable of playing that position, who can take up double teams on the defensive line will just make your defense that much better. John says, 
what's up fam james says small crowd john and then john says everybody's in church so sometimes my numbers don't update here it says this 38 Is he gone again? <laughs> or is it just yeah, me? He was. No, he he <laughs> was gone. <laughs> how, how many? How many are in the chat? Kevin, right you're now? back. I'm here. Whether so Bryce, what do you think about this whole discussion about what the Bills defense is going to look like next year in terms of the nickel, the four three, the different packages, all that good stuff? I think we do still run mostly, you know, the nickel package like uh, Zach said, but I think there will be some more uh, base 4-3 built into it too because, you know, you've got – you brought in all these players where now you can be more aggressive and, you know, get to the passer instead of being so conservative, you know, with running 90% nickel or – I think that's what you said earlier with tearing on the field. But my only thing with running more bases, you know, we didn't – there's not three linebackers on the field where – are three good linebackers where we can start three and, you know, be content with keeping Taron off the field for so many plays a game. And, you know, something else, too. We talked about in the past how the Bills gave up 172 rushing yards to the Bengals last year in that playoff loss, and they were without Daquan Jones. And then he look and he said, well, we really don't have a one-tech behind him. Well, now look what we have, two big run-stuffing defensive tackles. And that's another reason why I love this so much, because if one goes down, you still have another. And Jordan Phillips could probably play that role, too. And one thing I'd like to point out, too, with uh, Puna Ford is uh, Coach Payne brought out earlier that he can play some three-tag, two, and rush a passer, which I found interesting because, you know, Ed Oliver's in a contract year, so if he outperforms Ed Oliver, you could always ship him off and you know, put Puna Ford in that three-tech position. Yeah, and like I was saying at the beginning of the show tonight, Puna Ford immediately becomes an extension candidate where you say, wow, this guy was on the market. He wanted to come here. He gave us a team-friendly deal. Let's try to get him back next year. We'll be able to give him some more money. And now we don't have to feel so inclined to have to re-sign Tim Settle or Jordan Phillips or even like an Ed Oliver. And he's only 27 years old, too. Yeah. Yeah, Zach, that, you... that's that's the main thing about Puna Ford too is like we all love Daquan Jones, but Puna Ford is younger. He's 27. I'm not saying, you know, don't get rid of him just because Daquan Jones is over 30. If he's worth the contract, he's worth the contract extension, give it to him. But that's the thing with the defensive tackle position this year. Like you said, like has been parroted about ever since the draft is that the bills don't have any defensive tackles under contract past this year. I mean, that's not even really the worst thing in the world because that either means one, everyone's got to prove it. 
two, they have a plan. They're going to extend somebody or a couple people or three worst case scenario. You just reset your position group at this point though. I think that also it was a position they didn't really need to do much at. They were obviously content running it back with the DT room and just bringing in an extra one tech. And that's, I think that will work for him this year. See, like they were good there depth wise this year, but I, I was just so shocked because Bean always talks about winning now and in the future, and he didn't do anything to help win in the future. So yeah, like yeah, yeah, they were good this year, but I was very, I don't want to say scared, but I was having that in the back of my head where I was just like, uh, what are we doing? What's the future plan here? But now it's I feel better after the signing. Yeah. I mean, the whole thing there is, like, people looked, saw that, you know, every defensive tackle is on a one-year deal, and everyone's prisoner of the moment. So we lit, But this doesn't happen in a vacuum. Just because everyone's on a one-year contract now doesn't mean that they're not going – they don't have any plans to resign anyone or that they're not thinking about the future. Evidently, you bring in a guy like Puna Ford who has – NFL experience, but is also still 27 years old and can play that one tech role. Again, he gives you a potential future option. Like you said, he could be an extension candidate. I feel like they're going to want to give him, let him get on the field first before doing that. But who knows? I mean, if, if he, I'm sure he'll do well enough where he warrants an extension. All right. Well, I want to switch things over to talk about another veteran that the Bills signed this week, and that is Latavius Murray. This is another signing that I really like for the Bills. Running back wasn't that high on my board, whether it was for the draft or free agency after they signed Damian Harris. But you know what? If this is a new version of Taiwan Jones and Duke Johnson, then I like it because that is a big improvement. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, go ahead, Bryce. Yeah, I was just gonna say, I think I'm gonna take a different approach here than uh, you, Kevin. I'm not a huge fan of the signing. He's what 32 or three, 33 years old. So it's basically, in my opinion, just gonna be like another Duke Johnson signing last year, where you know everyone got super hyped for it, didn't really do a whole lot in preseason, and just ended up being a practice squad guy for the entire regular season. Zach, what do you, what do you think about this signing? I think that Latavius Murray is a NFL veteran who is another kind of sim- more similar to Damian Harris in skill set than he is to cook or Hines in that he's like a downhill runner, more like a power back. And he's, just he's veteran depth for that but also he's productive veteran depth like let's put it this way he was (laughs) he was on an nfl practice squad but then he got called up for a game balled out and then immediately got signed by another team so there's a reason he's hung around this long i'm trying to pull up his stats real quick that he's had at least 500 rushing yards Every season, but one in his career. And that was his rookie year. Yeah, his rookie year, and he was close. 
he's had eight consecutive years with 500 plus rushing yards. Yeah, as John Herring in the comments said, Murray is a wrecking ball. Yeah, true. He's thrived in that sort of RB committee. Like his best year even came in the RB committee when he had the, I think it was his breakout year in 20, his second year in the league. I forgot whether it was 2015 was his breakout year. Okay. With the Raiders. And yeah, with the Raiders. <laughs> But yeah, I'm I mean, not even gonna try to do that because I can't even come close to no. Berman. He's <laughs> unique. Yep, Berman. But yeah, I mean, you can do that justice. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Latavius Murray. Looking at his career stats, 1,481 career rushes for 6,252 yards and 55 touchdowns. So he's not RB one. He's not even RB two. But he is just a consistent veteran who can always give you those tough yards. He can give you, you know, five touchdowns a year. And again, I like to sign him because I don't think running back was a position that the Bills really needed to go after. And I found it interesting because Brandon Bean said on One Bills Live that he actually signed Murray during the draft on Saturday. And he said, hey, we have the contract all ready for you. If you want to sign it, we'll get the deal done right now. And that way I don't have to draft a running back with my few remaining picks. And that's definitely interesting because... I did not want the Bills to draft a running back. I just didn't find a need for it when there were other needs like defensive tackle, defensive end, right tackle, and all the other positions that we talked about. So I'm glad that this worked out because I would much rather have Latavius Murray on a cheap veteran deal and he can be, again, that Duke Johnson where maybe he plays, maybe he doesn't. But Damian Harris has had a lot of soft tissue injuries over the years. And if you need that power back, there you go. Call him up from the practice squad or activate him on game day. I will say this because I know Duke Johnson has been thrown around in comparison to Latavius Murray. This is, I think I'm going to disagree with the whole aspect of, Oh, you can easily get him off the practice squad, call him up because again, last year he was on a practice squad, had one of his good games and then immediately got signed by another team. So I feel like, and this will be an interesting discussion that we have over the next couple months. So it's like, oh, do we carry three running backs? Do we carry four running backs and have one inactive? I'm not sure you can easily get Murray onto the practice squad because, again, he's been consistently productive. And like you said, Damian Harris has had soft tissue injuries. You're going to want that extra depth, even if it means just keeping him on the back burner, which I think if – you want to have your four running backs? There you go. You don't have to worry about bringing Tywan Jones back. You can find another special teamer, and you just have four quality running backs. And let's not forget Reggie Gilliam, too. I know he's more of a tight end, but, you know, he's listed as a fullback as well. Yeah, fullback, tight end. Yeah, he Reggie Gilliam's Reggie Gilliam. He will always have a place on this roster. <laughs> what was it? The Vikings game last year, did the Bills carry – yeah, they carried six running backs last year because they had, let's see, Singletary, Cook, Hines, Duke Johnson, they activated him. They had Tywan Jones and Reggie Gilliam, if you want to include him. But they had six guys who could run the ball, and that was a point that I've been going back to, that they had six active running backs, and they only ran the ball seven times in the second half in overtime while they were nursing a two-touchdown lead. So I didn't understand the motto during that game, so if they can carry six guys who can at least 
handle those handoffs, then I think they can figure it out this year. And maybe they go into a game with four running backs because you don't have to worry about Taiwan Jones clocking up that spot anymore. Yeah, at the moment. I mean, again, I will never rule out them bringing their special team boy back. But, <laughs> like, you know, Duff taxes Taiwan Jones on special teams. But I think their priority this year was just trying to get more quality depth in that running back room. And, again, you ha- you can be confident going into the season knowing you have four capable running backs. But most likely they might just make one of them a healthy scratch based on matchups, but, and that's fine. That's the way they want to do it. That's fine. Now, John says, we're not going to be able to keep him around the practice squad. Someone will poach him. And while I agree, I agree to a point because I feel like Murray's one of those guys where when you go through your final cuts, I don't think teams are going to be out there saying like, oh man, Latavius Murray got cut. Let's go pick him up. I think it's going to be one of those situations where a team runs into some injuries halfway through the season, and then you say, oh, now let's go poach them. So I think you have to be careful with it because to start, you could probably keep them on the practice squad, but as you get further and further down the season, you're going to have more injuries pop up, and that's when teams are going to try taking them. Isaiah Hodgins was a little bit different because the Bills didn't have room for him last year. Maybe they did. They kept Jay Kumaro, whatever, different conversation for a different day, but you know, Hodgins had a lot of upside, and the Giants saw that. They needed help in the receiving room, so they went out and they took him. This is a different situation where there's not a lot of upside here. We already know what Murray is. He's hit his ceiling, but again, look for injuries to come into play here. A team like Baltimore, right? Their running backs can never stay healthy. So give it till week five, and the, the Ravens are going to say, hey, let's go get Latavius Murray off Buffalo's practice squad. Yeah, I mean, that could very well be how it ends up, where he initially gets cut and put on the practice squad, but then eventually they have to make a decision on whether to just move him up to the active 53-man roster or let him go to another team. But I believe this was also kind of popped up on One Bills Live when, or I thought I heard it on the radio when they were discussing Latavius Murray signing about that he think it was in relation to Duke Johnson last year where like teams may have broached him about being signed to their 53 man roster, but he wanted to stay in Buffalo so that he actively chose to stay on the practice squad. I mean, obviously I don't know what Latavius Murray's thought process is, but I believe that, you know, that's always an option, but I think you best case scenario, you might just want to, not even take the chance. Just keep him on your roster. Worst case, he's a healthy scratch. Best case, you have your own running back injury and you have the next man up right in the building. You don't have to worry about poach attempts. And another thing about Murray is that he is from the Syracuse era and he had some, I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was his best friend who died years ago, I believe. And the thing, but he was doing some great community work this past week. Again, he's been to Buffalo once, which is kind of hard to believe because it's not that far away. But he said he drove by the stadium years ago because his mom had a doctor's appointment in Buffalo. And he was like, wow, that's where the bills pull. Now everything comes back full circle and he's back in Buffalo. 
Bryce, you got anything to add? Um, yeah, I'm just still struggling to figure out where, you know, Latavius Murray fits into this offense. And, you know, if you do keep four running backs, which position you're going to take away from? Because right now you're looking at a lot of depth on O-line, depth on D-line, wide receiver, and corner. So I don't know if you want to really take away a good player from one of those positions to keep Latavius Murray on your roster. Well, this is going to be interesting because I think we're going to have to we're going to have to have a few shows from here on out where we're going to predict the 53 man roster because I feel like it'd be interesting to do it now and then again in a few weeks and maybe again like definitely in August, but I feel like it'd be cool to do it a couple times because these conversations are going to keep popping up and I feel like it's going to change because right now we might be really high on X player, but then we go through OTAs and training camp and it's like, oh, wow, this guy really showed up and showed out. How are you going to cut him? So I think we're going to have to definitely dive into that because I've seen some people do that already on Twitter and whatnot. And there, there are going to be a lot of tough decisions that are going to have to be made because this is a very full and stacked roster where other teams are going to say, wow, this guy got dumped by the Bills. We could pick him up and he could be a starter where he, they didn't even have room for him on their 53. Yep, the Bills are definitely one of those teams everyone's going to be looking at who they cut. But I will say for now, let's see, I think it was John who said it. He says, my big thing is I need to see James Cook, a full-time starter, carry the load, and yeah. And then we have another comment here. Two speed slash receiving backs and then two power rushing backs. And I think that's pretty much what the Bills are doing right now, where Murray is that insurance for Damian Harris, and then you have Cook and Hines. This is a conversation for a different day, but just quickly here, since we're talking about it, and Bryce, since you were saying you don't really understand what they're doing with the depth chart, is James Cook RB1, or is it Damian Harris? That's tough to say because Buffalo has never really had a true RB1, and you know, even going back to Georgia, James Cook has never really been, you know, that workhorse back where he's taken 200-plus uh, touches a year. So I do think James Cook is the best running back we have on our roster, but I think it's going to be Cook 1A one, one and uh, Harris 1B. Zach, would you agree? Yeah, I'm going to agree with that because, especially because, again, the Bills the last few years have just been running that sort of a running back by committee type approach. I mean, Singletary was on paper RB1, but then there were times where he would come off the field for stretches and they would put Zach Moss in or put Hines in or put Cook in. So I don't see them all of a sudden just going to James Cook and saying like, hey, we're going to give you 300 carries. Good luck. Have fun. Like, especially when he can do so much more on offense. Exactly. And especially because now they signed Damian Harris, they signed Latavius Murray, who is also another capable veteran back who could be a steady hand should you need him. And as somebody mentioned, I believe it's the same, I believe it was J Dove, one comment below, he said Heinz is going to be mainly a returner. That could very well be the case. Like, 
that was what he did mainly last year. I'm sure they're not willing to, not ready to give up on him totally on offense. But I don't see them all of a sudden now giving him like 150 carries this year and like a significant receiving role as well when you have James Cook there too and all the different passing options, especially after the draft. No, I don't think he's going to get 150 carries or maybe not even 100, but I think he at least has to be a part of the offense because you sent Zach Moss and a fifth-round pick to Indianapolis for this guy to get him 11 touches last year, and that's unacceptable. So it doesn't have to be 111, but it's at least got to be some upticks from last year. I mean, to be fair, I was I always thought that that trade, even after seeing he only got 11 carries, I still thought it was worth it just because they got stability in the return game. And I think you can't, that's about as valuable as getting rid of Zach Moss. Like, <laughs> so I would have no problem if he ended up just being mainly the return man, but also the backup pass catching running back. I think they may try to use him more in the, again, in that gadget role we saw, but actually it would be nice if they used him when he was in the gadget role this year. As opposed to just putting him out as eye candy and immediately everyone knowing, oh, they're that's just eye candy. We're not they're not using him. Well, I said eleven touches. It was actually six rushes, five receptions, and that gave him the eleven total touches. So they acted like, oh, he's gonna be a weapon for us on offense, and then it's just like, eh, never mind. Well, we don't necessarily I... know what happened in the building. Like it could have been maybe he wasn't picking up the playbook. Well, that's what they say, ball. yeah. Or maybe it was just maybe they didn't have the game plan set up where he would be used that way. I mean, we know that remember that second Miami game where he had the receiving touchdown off of a, I think it was a Miami blitz and he was just wide open or whatever. It's like, I, I don't know. I feel like when you get a running back committee, it's hard to get more than two guys involved. So we'll see what happens, but. Again, I'm not ready to say that trading for Hines was a bust just because he was only a special teamer. All right. Well, Bryce, any final thoughts on Latavius Murray or just the running back room in general, or maybe something else that we talked about tonight, didn't talk about any position groups as a whole. I mean, we're not going to go down that rabbit hole. I mean, we could talk about right tackle, um, but just anything else that you want to add before we sign off here tonight? Yeah, I just want to add one more thing to the whole Naheem Hines debate. I just think it's super tough to get him involved in the offense when, you know, he worked out so well in the return game and Buffalo has never really used a player super heavily at both positions. You know, going back to Isaiah McKenzie, Marquez Stevenson, you know, those guys, they've never really had a huge role in the offense while doubling as a punt and kick returner. So that, you know, maybe had something to do with only 11 touches last year. Oh, I have one more thing. Again, I don't want to go down this rabbit hole, but the NFL schedule comes out on Thursday. Do we have any predictions about what we're going to get, how many primetime games, any road games that Bills fans are going to be, you know, prepping to travel for? Um as we wrap up in the final five minutes here, what do we think about the NFL schedule coming out Thursday night? I mean, I will say that 
the Bills should probably get the same amount of primetime games they had last year. I I would be interesting to think about the potential for that first game, that Thursday night game to kick off the season because you know Kansas City's going to host it. Could we potentially see Chiefs Bills week 1 and the Bills open up on the road on Thursday night again? Could we potentially see them like on primetime week 1 against Aaron Rodgers or something? I think Maybe that's Miami, who knows. Yeah, I feel like feel like we'll see a primetime game against Rodgers. That's something. I mean, they've been playing Kansas City like every October, it seems. So I feel like they finally have to put a game in December, and I feel like they flip-flop with Cincinnati. Cincinnati is going to be that early game, September, October, and then it'll be November, December, maybe even January for that Kansas City game. Yeah, I mean, we could see that. <laughs> or we could end up just again, three years in a row, death taxes, Bills, Chiefs, and Kansas City in October. At 425. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is, well, to be fair, I mean, that's like sort of like the perfect balance between generic 1 o'clock, which I still love the 1 o'clock slot, but and primetime. Because primetime games are usually too late. 425 is, it's all right. It's like, it's a happy medium there. Yeah, I mean... Those are the most viewed games. And I also think it's worth noting, too, that I think this year uh, the Black Friday game starts, too. So I wonder if we get a game uh, there, too. Oh, that's right. Mm, I don't want the Bills on the Black Friday game. It's just going to be like 3 p.m. on a Friday. Like, can we exile? And we are getting the London game, too, so. Yeah, the London game, yeah, we all know that's going to be a like a 9 a.m. game on a Sunday, which well, means means you just have the, wake up early. Have the Bills uh, pregame show and whatnot a lot earlier. <laughs> Got to cut the beers off a little bit earlier on Saturday night. <laughs> uh, what was the other thing I was going to say? We were talking about the London game. There was another team that I was going to throw in there. I can't think of it now. Were you going to mention something about Philly? No, but we do have them, right? Is that a road game? Yep, that's an away game. So is Cincy. Play the Chargers on the road. We are hosting uh, Jacksonville, um, Dallas, Raiders, Broncos, Giants. Oh, Bills, Giants. That's going to be an interesting one to keep an eye on. Mm. Do we see Able. a prime do we, yeah, do we see like maybe a potential primetime slot for Dable's return to Buffalo? Does Tyrod start? <laughs> <laughs> That'd be interesting. Yeah, I mean, but yeah, so I mean, it'll definitely be interesting to see how the schedule pans out here. Yep, and I'm sure <laughs> let's put it this way too. Oh, we're oh we're hosting Dallas this year. So I was gonna say something about playing them on Thanksgiving, but now guess guess that might not happen. <laughs> oh, that's what I was gonna say, Zach. When you said you don't want to see the Bills play on Black Friday, I was gonna say, well, that's when Ed Oliver does all of his shopping. No, that's Thanksgiving nights when he does his feasting. <laughs> <laughs> True. But that whole weekend it seems like Ed Oliver loves it, so 
maybe they put the Bills. Can you imagine another Thanksgiving game too? I, would I mean, it's bound to happen. Yeah, <laughs> it'll probably end up being that uh, Thursday night game then, because like I said, they don't play Detroit this year, and Dallas are hosting. So. All right. Well, I think that'll do it for tonight. Pierre says, great show, guys. Appreciate that, Pierre. And, oh, I got to show you guys this. Look what came in the mail. My BF pillow, which is kind of hiding down here. But I had to at least show it off because I ordered it on March 29th. And I was hoping it was going to be here for the draft. So then I looked at the email and I was like, it says it's shipped. Where to go? Literally the next day, it's on my front porch. And I was like, thank you. (laughs) So I got that. I'm pumped about that. I, I added a few more pictures to the wall. I'm working on a few more. But, hey, better late than never, right? Right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Just want to make sure Sorry, I was right. I was just reading chat. <laughs> All right. Well, with that, uh, one more time, if you haven't already, numbers might have been down a little bit tonight. So make sure you smash that subscribe and like button. Give me a follow at Kevin underscore Syracuse at ZVon2712 and at Bills by Bryce and at the FB analyst to give us all follows. Make sure you're following Buffalo Fanatics and all that good stuff. Now, next week, we will be covering the results of the NFL schedule. So, uh Bray says, this is dope. Well, it's going to be even doper next week because we're going to be able to make some predictions off of that. And, you know, we'll we'll probably have a large amount of the show be, hey, what do we think the Bills record is going to be? Because that is going to be a hot topic next week. And then we'll get into some more offseason topics from there. So once again, this is Kevin Syracuse, Zach Vaughn, Bryce Martino on the BF Writers Club on the Buffalo Fanatics Network. Appreciate you guys for tuning in. Part and spurred because we had a great conversation with Puna Ford's former high school football coach, BJ. I just almost blanked on his name, uh, Payne, but <laughs> I was thinking of another name. But yeah, we had a great conversation with him. So make sure you check that out. And we will see you guys next week, same time, same place. It's for Go Bills. Go Bills. Go Bills.